What's up and welcome back to the Crude Oil Podcast. It's the Marc-Andre Bergeron episode number 47. Sean, it's been a bit of a hiatus, but welcome back. We've got hot news off the press. I'm excited to get going here. And I almost just had an aneurysm because you said Marc-Andre Bergeron. But, uh, uh, yeah. Then I was thinking, wait, did you mean Patrice Bergeron? Wait, he's number 37. <laughs> I started like having a panic attack. You know, it's funny because he's got such a, a stain for like one bad incident on his uh, uh, career. I mean, very, very costly mistake. But uh, every time I think of Mark Andre Bergeron, I always think of like the cannons that he had from the the uh, uh, the point. And he has one of the like nastiest looking hip checks I've ever seen in the NHL. But um, that's enough about him for today. Yeah, like I only can think bad things about him. I have nothing else to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, it's been a month. Uh, we're we're jumping back into things here because we're recording this on June thirtieth. Uh, this is there's some news that just broke, and we're going to record later this afternoon. That we're like, no, fuck it, we got to do it right now uh, because do we just dive into things, dude? Like, let's just get straight into the the happenings of the last couple of days. Um, the Edmonton Oilers yesterday uh, trading Kyler Yamamoto and Clem Costin to Detroit essentially is a salary dump. Well, I don't think people necessarily thought of it as a salary dump until the news today, but I was hoping that we would right. get something out of it. But I guess at the same time, if Edmonton was truly looking to get rid of Yamamoto and that contract, then it's hard to complain that we got future considerations in return. Everyone's favorite player. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, I was a little bit confused as to why they packaged them both together. Uh, but to your point, you got to wonder, does the future considerations uh, factor into the news that just broke that Detroit is buying out Kyler's contract? Well, I don't fully understand why they bought him out because like you think they would be okay with him playing a season there, especially considering they're under the cap floor. Mm-hmm. Unless there's some sort of like agreement between like maybe Edmonton and Detroit that they were going to buy him out with the possibility of Edmonton bringing him back. Yeah, I I mean, and I I've, the only way it'd be like worth anything is to bring back Kyler Yamamoto on like a one million dollar contract, and I don't think that'll do it. I just don't think it's possible. I think it's possible, but I don't know if it's really necessarily working out with Yamamoto. I think people's expectations will forever be too high considering Mm -hmm. his production in the first season. And people have just been perpetually disappointed with him because of that. And I don't think they're going to be able to shake it. It's similar to Pugliarvi being like a top pick and people could not shake the fact that they want him to be producing like a top pick. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. It sounds like he's always going to carry that like expectation of the bar that you know he's supposed to to meet. I just, I, I don't know. It, it's a very interesting scenario. I don't know why they would trade him just to have him get bought out. I understand Detroit has uh, some ability to to buy out players uh, with their their cap situation, but and and Kyler only having the one year left on his deal, it's. Part of me just can't help but put the relationship between Ken Holland and Detroit back together and say, are they doing us a favor for something that we don't know? Well, like maybe they were just doing us a favor and buying Yamamoto out and taking Costin off our hands in the sense that he might go sign with uh, the KHL and he wanted too much money from us. So we're like, if you buy out Yamamoto, we'll give you Costin or something along those lines. I don't really know. Any of these future considerations trades are a complete fucking crapshoot and nobody actually knows what's going to happen. Like maybe next time they're in Detroit, fucking Iserman's going to buy the team some McDonald's or something in the dressing room and they'll be like, okay, deal. We're done. Yeah, I know the the constant joke is like, I hope this future considerations player, you know, kind of shapes up to being what we think he is. But uh, Clem Costin was the big one that kind of, I was shocked. I get that he was looking for, I, I heard rumors at least around the $2 million range, but, uh, it is what it is. I think Costin was asking for too much and I appreciate Holland's approach that he's looking to sign players for like what they're going to do for us and not for what they've done, because that's been a problem in the past where we've signed players like, I don't know, Cassian or even nurse 
to contracts thinking like you've done great for us we're going to sign you to these contracts and not thinking about what are you going to be doing for us next year or the year after etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah yeah I, I don't know it's a very interesting scenario especially the day before the free agency opens up we'll see what shakes out tomorrow there um but yeah that's that's kind of the big news that that has uh broken uh also a couple minutes ago uh, reports coming from Jason Greger that the Edmonton Oilers expecting to sign Matthias Janmark uh, to sign another one-year deal around the $1 million range. I don't mind that at all. He became a, a favorite of mine towards the end of the year last year. I can't say anything different. Like, <laughs> I, I bitched about him at the beginning of the year. I'm going to own that. But uh, I also changed my tune on him pretty quickly throughout the year. So um, I'm very happy with that, especially if he's somebody who can play anywhere really in the lineup, can play the penalty kill. And yeah, I, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, totally. Totally. Uh, I just, I hope we have a few of those this year where you come in with expectations that they completely exceed. Um, but I, I mean, um, to that, to that, uh, example, like the other signing Derek Ryan for another two year extension, I thought Derek Ryan had an unbelievable year. I do get a little bit worried about adding that second year to a contract for a, a player of his age. Uh, I know he's probably sick and tired of hearing that, but uh, it is only a nine hundred thousand dollar, you know, contract that you're you're betting on a a player that old. But uh, two years, man. Uh, I don't know. What's your thoughts there? I'm fine with two years, considering the AAV is only nine hundred k. If it was anything more than that, I would be a little hesitant. But mm. like currently, Derek Ryan is a contributing member of the team. He can play on the third line. He can play on the fourth line. Similar to Yanmark, he kills penalties. And even if he's 13th forward, 14th forward, going like into next year or something like that, like that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine at 900K. It's not like he's getting paid, say, like if we sign costs into a $2 billion AAV deal and he just falls off a cliff and we have this $2 million sitting on the bench. Like this is pretty much <laughs> the best you're going to get for like, an extra forward, which is what we needed. Yeah, exactly. I thought you said billion with a B. I was like, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> it's possible I said that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I I, I think so. It, it's always, we're playing with such little money on that bottom six um, that you, you want it to kind of pan out. Uh, so I, I do like the, the commitment to Derek Ryan and the, the fact that he can bring kind of that different elements of his game he can he can play physical uh but his defensive attributes and um speak for themselves the thing that kind of blew me away is his ability to actually put pucks in the net last year so uh we'll hope that continues um just looking at it kind of sets us up because there's a whole bunch of things that are in the rumor mill obviously we've got uh, all the uh, qualifying offers that got extended uh, Bouchard, McLeod, Lavoie, Philp, uh, Rodrigue. Um, Philp has done hockey though, is he not? Uh, I believe so, but they yeah. still offered him a, uh, no, wait, that's a, you're, I think you're thinking of a different one. Isn't it like Philip Kemp that's not uh, coming th- back? And this is, Noah I think Philp? I get, I keep getting them all mixed up. Those two. I mean, it's really easy to get them messed up. So I, uh, I think I understand where you're coming from. Oh, no, he's, uh, it is, it is the right one I'm thinking of. Noah Philp was the one that said he's, he's done hockey, but the Oilers are leaving the door open for him. Okay. Well, that's good so, at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one I did want to talk about, and it's something that kind of, I, I hope there's no fruition to it. And considering like all the transaction relations that we have here, um, I was reading through some thoughts on Twitter. I wish I, had saved it as to who actually said it but um could we see a scenario where bouchard gets offer sheeted by detroit i mean i think (laughs) wow i never (laughs) considered that um i would think that we would probably be okay if only because of ken holland's relationship with detroit like from other teams there might be some concern there um but I would think that maybe they wouldn't do that just because that would immediately sour the relationship. And that's kind of the reason why offer sheets don't happen in the first place is mm-hmm. 
the GM's relationships with each other is a huge deal. Like, I'm not sure if you watched the draft, but they yeah. were making like a huge deal out of uh, David Poyle retiring. And like, yes, he yes. pretty much all of the other GMs who go up there all have a relationship with him to some degree, whether it's like a mentoring relationship because he's been around for so long or just like general friends. They go out for dinner when they come to the other cities and like, yes, they talk business, but I think being an NHL GM, they all have a close relationship because nobody really understands what they're doing besides other GMs. So that's a good, yeah, that's a good point. And the reason I was thinking about that too is the uh, the relationship has to be has to be there, and Ken Holland obviously being around for forever has that. Uh, the The conversation piece that really made it intriguing to me is that was this trade with Kyler Yamamoto and Clem Costin basically a promise to not offer sheet Bouchard because they have the picks, they have the dollars, they have the you know what I mean? Like, could this be a, like, here, you can have these two players do with as you see fit. Just please don't offer sheet us. I don't know. You know, that's a good point. And maybe that's what the future considerations truly is as part of that deal is don't fuck us over. Right. Um, but I don't know. Maybe we should be making those trades with every team who has cap space because I think a lot <laughs> of teams would be interested in Bouchard. I'm not mm-hmm. sure if Bouchard would be interested in other teams because, like, that's right. the one thing people sometimes don't think about is that the player needs to sign it. So just because yeah. Columbus comes yeah. knocking and was like, we'll, we'll be like, oh, we'll offer sheet you. Like, Bouchard would be like, I don't want to go to Columbus. I want to stay here. We are really close to potentially winning a cup. Why would I leave? Well, and it's kind of ironic, though, too. Like, knowing just from what you see and how close Bouchard uh, and Kyler Yamamoto and Fogle all were to, like, split them up. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's an interesting dynamic for sure. Well, it's the, just the reality of the business nowadays. And yeah, all these players yeah. are friends with each other anyways. Like, <laughs> I'm sure Tyson Berry has been hovering around wherever McDavid and Drysaddle are. Like, they're all still friends and they will be probably for the rest of their lives, if not just their careers. Yeah. Because um, it's similar to, like I mentioned with the GMs, only the players know each other, right? And right. spending uh, essentially years with each other almost every single day helps really build a relationship, especially if you don't hate your job. Well, yeah. And like living with people in, in some cases. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so I guess we'll, we'll wait to see what ends up happening with Bouchard and specifically McLeod. I'm really intrigued to see what happens there. Um, but the other kind of rumor that's floating around is Connor Brown to uh, Edmonton. Of course, that'll all come to fruition on Saturday if, if uh, things go according to plan, but right now sounding like a low dollar deal. Um, they're the, the kind of intrigue that I thought uh, was being thrown his way was just that they would kind of line it with uh, performance bonuses. Like um, I, I don't know what, how important do you find this, this signing? If it does, I'm saying it with all the caveats in, in store. Well, now with the departure of Yamamoto and Costin, we have a lot of open space in the roster, specifically in the middle, Mm -hmm. uh, like the middle six. Um, I would expect to see somebody like Holloway maybe step in there, but realistically, I feel like Connor Brown is one of the, like, best options available on wing to come in and sign, and, like, he has a previous relationship with McDavid, he has a previous relationship with Hyman and Campbell, playing in uh, Toronto, probably CC as well. So like, there's a lot of good things for why Connor Brown would want to stay here. It's just going to come down to the dollars. And like you mentioned, it's a supposedly going to be a low dollar deal with performance bonuses. And to be fair, I think all contracts should really be laden with performance bonuses. Like right. it would have been super cool if when we signed Zach Cassian originally that it was like, Oh, it's only for 2 million with like, uh, an extra couple million based off of goals and points and ice time and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure some contracts do get built like that, but realistically, I feel like with how up and down some players are, almost every contract should be laden with performance bonuses to some degree. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd agree with you too. Uh, especially when it's like a new player that you're bringing in. Like we keep going back to what happened last year with the, uh, Jack Campbell coming over, right? Uh, you give him five and a half million dollars. I think it's five and a half. I can't remember. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just you get all that money. And I, I know you're in a league where you're paying for what they've already done. It's just, 
it, it would be nice to see more of this. And to, back to your point about Connor Brown being the best uh, option, like I, I'm looking through the list and we'll get into more of that uh, a little bit later. He's really the guy that stands out to me. The only other guy that would really intrigue me is, um, I only said Todd, Tyler Bertuzzi, but you're not going to get him south of $5 million a year. Yeah, for the dollar value that Brown brings and the like the play that he brings, I think he's probably one of the best options. Maybe like an Alex Killorn would be useful or a Jason Zucker. But even then, those guys are probably going to want more money than Brown makes. So yeah, like, I definitely. just think it's probably the best option available. And luckily for us, it seems as though he's interested in coming here. Yeah, exactly. It, it's the want to be here too. And, and the relationship with Connor, like Connor... Connor drives this bus as much as we want to kind of shadow it. Like he, he's going to be the one uh, calling shots. I think uh, the closer and closer this team gets to a championship. So uh, you do have to be a little bit concerned with like based off of like, can they find the chemistry of when they play together in Erie kind of thing? Cause yeah, you look at dry and Dominic Cahoon, for example, the chemistry was never really there when we signed him. Like the hope was that, they would have something but to be fair they played together when they were like 10 years old versus when they were in the prime of their young like junior career so Mm -hmm. i doubt you maybe remember the chemistry and how much that play has probably changed over the (laughs) fucking 15 years it was since they had played together so like i don't know if that's a great example but i have heard some people talking about it so that's just my two cents on it yeah yeah players develop players change a lot of players take off. Some people had hit their peaks earlier. So yeah, I'm kind of with you. It'd be interesting to see how that, uh, how that would, uh, mix well together. Um, let's jump into the awards. Uh, just touch on the Edmonton Oilers, uh, at the, uh, the NHL awards this past Monday. This schedule feels super weird. Like we had the draft on a Wednesday, which was very, very odd. Um, I, I almost missed it because of the, the fact it's usually a Friday and they, then they go all day Saturday, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I did get a chance. I didn't watch all of the awards. I did get to see a lot of the uh, the acceptance speeches from from Connor McDavid and, and the voting results. Uh, I was actually really, we'll start with Stuart Skinner. I was surprised how many first place votes he got compared to the season um, that Matty Beneers had. Like, I'm, I'm not doubting it, but I, I, I always wondered, in my like eye line, like if, in my line of sight, like whether I'm too you know siloed into the Edmonton Oilers to realize how good of a season he had. Well, I think there's a few things to consider from like a bias perspective. For example, is we are still thinking about the playoffs where he was solid but not fantastic. Right. So that kind of brings down your view of him slightly. Um, and then at the end of the season, though, he was hot as fuck. You cannot argue that. And recency bias does play into those things. So it does. Sometimes you could have a terrible start to your season and then end the second half with a, like a great second half. And suddenly they're like, Oh yeah, you're fantastic. We're (laughs) going to vote for you. Um, But I don't know, like Matty Beneers also did have a good season, but he didn't have like a lights out season to me. He was not like the runaway favorite. He was the favorite, but mm-hmm. it was a fairly slim margin. Like anybody really could have won. Just kind of depends on who decided to be flashy. Like if Matty Beneers got a hat trick in his last game of the season, maybe people would have changed their minds and really voted for him and left Skinner second or third or whenever they decided to vote for him, if at all. Yeah. So like, I'm not surprised he got second. Um, and congrats to Matty Beneers, I guess. But uh, I'm just, <laughs> I, I really wanted Skinner to win. I think I, it would have been cool. I think one thing that helped uh, Beneers like case for winning it was the fact that he was a good player on a really good team. And I used the, the team all in capital letters. Like um, you couldn't have been more like average in terms of individual statistics for the, the Seattle crack in this past year, but they put it together as a team. So um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see if he say Seattle missed the playoffs. Would he have right. still won? Or if Seattle was like lights out good and won like the president's trophy or something, like would he have won because he wasn't maybe as a as important of a player? Yeah, if he was still like forty points behind the next closest scoring player on his team. I don't know if that plays into it at all, but something yeah. to think about at least. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, Connor McDavid winning the Hart and the Ted Lindsay trophies. Uh, no shock at all. The only shock that it wasn't unanimous. I mean, it shouldn't be a shock at this point, just because there always seems to be one person. Um, the reporter who I know has been outed. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but like, how do you have Connor McDavid not in your top four? Yeah, like the MVP? only the only complaint I have about that. I don't care that he was unanimous or not. Would it have been cool? Yes. Um, yeah. but the annoying part was that they didn't at least have him like second, if not third, like you put right. him fifth. Are you kidding me? Like it was purely just to get attention. I almost wish his name didn't oh, come out because people yeah. just wanted to know who it was. And now everybody knows who he is. I'm not even going to say his name because I don't want to. And yeah, exactly. In my opinion, he should not have the ability to vote. Like I had no problem with David Pasternak getting a first place vote. He probably should have mm-hmm. got several, but right. Yeah, I just thought it was it was a fucking joke, honestly. It, it's yeah, it's always a uh, an attention. It's clout chasing, man. Like that's that's all it was. Uh, it's it's funny because I was reading through the the report that was uh, released from. I didn't realize Frank Saravelli's the the uh, like the chairman of the the voting, like the Writers Association. Yeah, he's a uh, he's a pretty important guy nowadays. He's yeah. like. Between him and Friedman, they're like the main people for getting any sort of news as well. Yeah, but I was uh, I was reading and they had mentioned how there's some like ballots that didn't come in in time. There's people that didn't submit ballots, so they got their like voting rights revoked. Like, how the fuck do you let that happen? Well, a lot of people were shit talking. Was it uh, was it Pierre LeBrun who fucked up? I'm um, not sure. So. I know on- sh- Yes. On on the Selkie ballot, I don't know if it was LeBron. So, uh, on a Selkie ballot, instead of writing Jordan Stahl, Carolina, he wrote Eric Stahl, Carolina. Oh, no. So, Eric Stahl has a random, like, second place vote. <laughs> and everyone's like, how do you fuck that up? But I'm wondering, is, like, who's the guy who got that ballot and sees, like, blank Stahl, Carolina? Like, it says yeah. Eric, but you see Carolina, you'd be like, wait a second. Like, maybe I should second guess what this vote is trying to say. And maybe I should double check with him and be like, hey, what what are you trying to say? Do you yeah. mean Eric Stahl, Florida? Or do you mean Jordan Stahl, Carolina? <laughs> like, if he said Florida, I would understand like, oh, yeah, you fucked up kind of thing. But like, that should have been caught in the counting process. Like, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing for whoever did the count on that shit. <laughs> Sebastian Ajo. No, the, the Islanders one. <laughs> exactly. Like. Like, uh, I don't know if you vote Sebastian Ajo for best, uh, like defenseman, you'd be like, wait a second, this yeah. doesn't seem right. Why does he have a vote? What's going on? Right. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's pretty funny. I saw that like Cheryl Pounder was the only one I think that I, I, I recognize names of that got their actual voting rights revoked because she just didn't submit a, a voting card, like just wild. But, I mean, uh, it happens, I guess. Sometimes you forget, but I think it's rightful that you get it revoked because they want that to be taken seriously, not be like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to submit anything. That's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Um, Connor McDavid, uh, I wanted to touch on some things because I noticed a different Connor McDavid this past week than I think I've ever seen. Um, obviously, engaged man now. So who knows if that plays anything into this, but, uh, Shout out for recognizing the uh, the uh, opportunity to donate to the Ben Stelter Fund with his acceptance speech. But uh, I just noticed a Connor McDavid who looks just genuinely happy, like just just happy with life. And even in his acceptance speeches, I thought that he was w- like well put together, well like we we've seen this 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 kid grow up. And I say kid because I'm way older than him, but like. We've seen this guy grow up and kind of be have that awkward interview kind of phase to him not having a personality to him actually sounding like a well put together hockey player. And I think it always speaks good to the NHL when you're trying to grow the game and the best player in the world is like the spokesperson and can actually show the emotion and the uh, the personality that he's showing now. Well, I think he's just finally settling into his role and like comfortable being the voice and saying mm-hmm. things like you saw it with his comments. Like, I don't know if we'll get into it, but like, they're not letting uh, any, what are they called? Like warm up jerseys anymore, like special yeah. warm up yeah. jerseys. And McDavid came out and said like, that's fucking bullshit. 
Yeah. And yeah. like much more elegantly put, mind you, but he did essentially <laughs> say that. So yeah. like, would he have said that five years ago? Probably not. And mm -hmm. I think it's just getting older, getting more confident and like just believing that like maybe I am like an actual voice. People respect the things I say. So I'm going to use this platform to say things. Yeah. Well, yeah. And you look back this past season when you uh, listen to some of the comments about uh, the offside things or um, the high stick rule, like anytime there's a discrepancy, he's not afraid to call it the league being like, we just want to know what the rules are. So I think it's really cool to see, but I don't, I'm not sure. Did you catch the, the interviews around the, uh, the all-star game when an all-star game, the, uh, the NHL awards, Jesus. Um, when him and Skinner were talking back and forth, I love the little shot that Skinner threw at him about how he stops Connor in practice all the time. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I did not yeah. pay attention to the NHL awards. I usually don't give them oh, too much yeah. of, too much of my time just because like i think especially the calder trophy would be the only one i was interested in right um because i think thought big dave was going to run away with his other trophies and, and nothing else really mattered that much to me it's similar to the nhl draft where like yes Edmonton didn't have a first round pick so i didn't care as much but i just watched the beginning of the draft to see where like mitchkov went and then i just stopped watching because i was like well that's all i cared about i don't really yeah. like know too much about anybody else and Edmonton's not picking until the second round so i don't really care yeah yeah i i'm completely with you i think that's a good segue i was just gonna see if you saw the eye roll from Connor mcdavid after he made that comment but um i was just gonna ask we'll, we'll kind of drift over into the the nhl news recap of everything that's going on here but uh honest like secret time how much of the nhl playoffs did you watch after the edmonton oilers got eliminated i watched the last 10 minutes of the last game and <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah same here man i and to be honest i only tuned into it because i saw the score was like seven to two and i was like are you fucking kidding me florida that's the best you can fucking do yeah i i completely tuned out and um i kept flipping back from whatever i was watching to that same game and it was like oh this is gonna be a long last you know period of hockey so it was uh I had checked out immediately after the Oilers got got beaten. Yeah, just I, I'm one of those people who like I don't care too much unless it's like a friend's team who watches a lot or something like that. Like if Colorado was in it like last year, I got a buddy who's a big fan. So I watched some games, but mm. like versus that, I it's a Vegas, Florida final. Why do would I care <laughs> about that? I think the ratings said the same for everybody. Yeah. Like, obviously, the Canadian ratings probably sucked ass because there was no Canadian teams in there. But, like, I don't know. At the end of the day, it just wasn't there for me. Maybe I was still hurt from losing to Vegas and I am was salty about it. But I don't know. Does it say something that Edmonton's now lost to the cup winner two years in a row? I'm glad you brought that up. I thought that if there was any kind of a, a saving grace out of this season uh it, it's the fact that they have like how close would they be if you remove vegas would have they gone the entire way like well i saw a lot of comments from people being like i think if edmonton got around vegas they would have won because like they were the team that put up the best fight against vegas yeah yeah uh it's exciting man i it's i'm glad that we can take the remarks that connor mcdavid had after the elimination how um I forget who asked the question, but said like, do you see this as a step back because you guys went to the round three and he's like, it's, it's tough to believe, but I think there's still progression this season. And well, progression could, isn't linear too. It's not like you're exactly. going to go first round, second year round, third round, like Stanley cup. That's not how it works. I think there was a, a NBA guy. I can't remember who, but after they lost, he was like, are you like disappointed? He's like, well, no. Like, would you call this season a failure? He's like, no, like you can't expect to win every year. Like yeah. we can only slowly improve in different areas each year and then hope eventually we break through and win. Like you can't mm -hmm. win every year. You can't win every game. So like, obviously there's disappointment, but you have to look at the positives of the season and how you could turn that into next season into yeah. success. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think as we segue into the NHL news, we'll have to talk about some Oilers kind of related external NHL news because uh, we got to talk about our friends to the south of us because there is, pun intended, very much a tire fire going on in Cowtown. Uh, everybody wanting out 
it is a nightmare to be a part of the Flames organization or Flames fans. And uh, that that release, that bomb from um, Friedman last uh, last week, talking about the Oilers player who had texted him saying that the Battle of Alberta was more about breaking up the Flames as much as, uh, or was as much about breaking up the f- Flames as much as it was advancing. I I just found that a wild thing to hear. Well, me and my friends were talking about like who on the Oilers is cocky enough to have done that. And everybody was pretty much like, yeah, it was probably Drysidle. Like, that seems like something he would do. Maybe Evander Kane. But other than that, I think everybody's pretty humble. But those two guys would probably do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But, like, honestly, ever since that goal from McDavid, like, it's been a mass exodus out of Calgary. Yeah. And- like, I do feel bad for Calgary. So they had Toffoli, they had Backlund, they had Lindholm, they had Hannafin all say they're not going to resign and essentially request a trade. Right. As well as their like their Jay Woodcroft in um what Mitch Love leave to go to Washington to be assistant coach there rather than be a coach of any kind in Calgary or for their AHL team. Yeah. So like well, they just got shit on pretty well, much in the span of twenty four hours. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny because like you're reading the reports and they're like not to pile on, but <laughs> It was, uh, yeah, it was a tough, tough 24 hours to be Flames fans, but it, uh, you got to keep looking at like their signings, like Nazem Kadri's there for a long time at a big price point with nobody else there. You've got uh, Jonathan Huberto, who's making an extensive amount of money. Um, Mackenzie Weger is signing uh, his extension. Like it's, it's going to be feeble times. And I think as much as you look at what, uh, tree living did last year to kind of keep the group together. I still can't help but think with Kachuk and Gaudreau leaving the flames that that should have been the perfect time to blow things up and start over. If I was Calgary last season, I don't know if that was just more of a Brad tree living didn't want to get fired kind of thing. So maybe mm. he was like, I'm going to try and last ditch effort, make some trades to save this team and save my job. But like, I think they should have done that, if not because those guys left, but because it was like, it's the Connor Bedard year. They could have got hit. They could have had their own Connor. Yeah, we could have yeah. had the Battle of Connors every year, but they decided to try and make another go of it with a couple more players. And unfortunately for them, it didn't work out. But now, if I'm Craig Conroy, who is now the new GM, I would probably just bite the bullet and try and rebuild the best that you can. And actually go into a full rebuild. Like, I think you've seen time and time again that these teams that try to retool tend to not be able to do it. It just doesn't work because you just don't have the top end talent, especially with guys like Goudreau and Kachuk leave to have a competitive roster. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just going to die in mediocrity like Minnesota did until they eventually like drafted Kaprasov and got lucky, essentially. And then they suddenly have a top tier player. Like, you look at Calgary's pool outside of Dustin Wolf, they don't have any prospects really worth mentioning. Um, like, no, none of those guys are true, like, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to be a top six forward kind of guy um, or a top pairing defenseman or even a top four defenseman. So, like, I do like their some of the players on their roster, but I think you just bite the bullet. Like, they've already started that process. They traded Tyler Toffoli to New Jersey for a third round and uh, Igor Sarangovich, yeah. which... In my opinion, very good trade. Yeah. I think that's a very good trade for Calgary. I think they did a great job getting Sarangovich. Like I watch quite a few Devils games, and he's a great player. Um, very young. Has put up 20 goal seasons in the past, so I think they'll be very happy with him. So I think it's time they bring in younger guys and just bite the bullet. Yeah, well, and that's the thing that they never would have been able to do with Daryl Sutter. Like He wouldn't have stuck around. He uh, uh, Just hearing from Flames fans how long it took them to put Wolf in uh, at the end of the year last year was like mind boggling. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a uh, trying times in Calgary for sure. And it's funny, like moving away from Calgary, like the Oilers somehow became Canada's best team in the Western in the Western half of Canada by a very long shot, like Winnipeg, going down the toilet. You've got Calgary doing the same thing. Vancouver, I still have no idea what the fuck they're doing. 
Well, Vancouver's like I said with Calgary, they're just perpetually mediocre and they refuse yeah. to go through a full rebuild. And yes, they have some good players, but their the rest of their roster just isn't going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good segue. Uh Vancouver buying out Ekman Larson. That was kind of a shock for me. It does kind of open up opportunities uh in the in the future for um him being a good, like solid third pairing defenseman somewhere. Uh would you ever consider him coming to Edmonton? I mean, I'd sign him at League Min. Yeah. Or even like two million or something like that. But I mean, and it has to be short term. You have to look at how much he's deteriorated. Like in Arizona, he was playing bad at the end of that like end yeah. of his tenure there. And then he did nothing but play even worse in Vancouver. So like people need to not look at him like the top pairing defenseman he once was. I don't know what happened in his career. I don't pay that much attention to him. That yeah. would have shaken him to his core that he would <laughs> fall apart like this, but I don't know. But could it be playing for shit hockey clubs for the past 10 years? Well, yeah, maybe it's a motivation thing. Maybe he got the bag and then he just kind of lost his passion for the game. But yeah. maybe having to fight for a contract might help like brighten him back up again. Like it could be a great defenseman. He's a right D. You sign him to like a $2 million contract for a year and maybe he plays really, really well and like is a steal for a team that's trying to contend. Mm-hmm. But I I don't see anybody signing long term, to be fair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the, the guy's 31 years old, which is kind of crazy. You know, um, there was also a buyout related to Arizona um, where everyone's favorite players at Cassie got bought out. <laughs> So yeah, like that. I think that was that was just a, going to happen eventually. Nobody's surprised. He was fucking dog shit last year. He had two goals in fifty one games, and that was it. No assists. Like I don't know what anybody expected out of him, and I hope the best to him for the rest of his life. I think he really managed yeah. to turn things around in Edmonton, and I hope he mm-hmm. can maintain that and doesn't take a, a buyout personally. Because goddamn it, I love Zach Cassian. And yeah. it's disappointing to see how everything unraveled for him, but uh, the best of him. Yeah, the uh, the business side of things kicks in, and I, I, I've I been just as vocal as anybody about how much I support Zach Cassian and the things that he's done. But yeah, next chapter, man. Next chapter. Um, glad you brought that up. We'll shift back to our, uh, our Winnipeg compadres, uh, Blake Wheeler getting bought out. Uh, or expected to be uh, announced today uh, by the the Jets. Um, I I don't want to touch this guy with a ten foot pole. Well, like with the rumors of how shitty the locker room is in Winnipeg, yeah, as well as like his declining career. Like at best, you can bring him in as like a veteran guy, but he is not the player he used to be. People seem to think that he still is, and maybe he can be like that that Corey Perry on your fourth line, like he was for Tampa and for Montreal. But I don't know. I don't think he's really got that in him anymore. So if well, I'm Edmonton, like you said, don't touch him and see what else happens. Maybe another guy like, uh, like Jonathan Taves, I think we'll talk about later is a better mm-hmm. option for a position like that. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong. Do Evander Kane and Blake Wheeler not have a pretty sketchy past? Yeah, that's true. I didn't consider the Evander Kane factor because he didn't necessarily get along with the leadership core in Winnipeg when he was there. So that could be a factor. So if anything, even if Edmonton was interested, I highly, highly doubt Wheeler would consider even coming here. He's probably ready to get the fuck out of Canada, go somewhere (laughs) where there's nice winters. Yes. Yeah. He'll be, uh, he'll be playing somewhere warm. That's for sure. Um, and then the other one that was kind of surprising, Matt Duchesne getting bought out by Nashville. I mean, it's a little surprising in the fact that he's still a pretty good player. But yeah. I think Nashville is ready to just move on and kind of just figure out a new way to win and build the new core because uh, they also traded Ryan Johansson to Colorado. So their two top centers are gone. These guys who were making eight mil a year, both gone. The only thing surprising about Duchesne is that buyout fucking penalty is awful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that's going to be a tough one to eat. So I it, it's shocking in the sense that, I don't know, all these players, it's, it's really weird. I don't know if you've noticed this getting older, 
but like all these players who used to be like perennial all-stars just like getting bought out for nothing we'll get into we'll get into taylor hall for a second but you go from being a number one overall draft pick to a salary dump in the snap of a freaking second in this league it's just nuts it's not well, be- before you get to, we get into hall too much um, yeah like i think it's more of a sign of the fact that these contracts that you can sign players to are just too long yeah like the Wheeler contract he was definitely worth his contract when he originally signed it and he was for the first like third to maybe even half of his contract and you could say the same for Ekman Larson you can say the same for any of these guys who are getting bought out mm-hmm. but like these contracts are just too long there needs to be a limit on the length and it needs to be reduced to like five years yeah and I understand like loyalty and everything like that but it just doesn't make sense I, I think that like this is something I, I know I've mentioned before but I think that just the way that contracts are structured this is going to be the common theme until like you mentioned they put a rule in or, or they change anything like it, you're go- you're going to get see players sign it's going to be front loaded contracts and then they're just going to get bought out I know there's there's limitations already on how much they can do it or to what extent but like it's I don't know there there needs to be a little bit more governance on this like well ah. you you got to think that the main factor behind this is the NHLPA is set up in a way where the veterans have more power and Mm -hmm. veterans are more interested in long contracts because you sign it when you're 30 and then it ends when you're 38, but you get bought out when you're 34. So you make bank for those years. Meanwhile, young players would be more interested in having it be like a max of five years. Like look at dry for example, he's worth way more than eight and a half million. And he just secured the bag rather than signing like a bridge deal or even like a four or five year contract, like say Matthews did or mm-hmm. Marner did um, to kind of bet on themselves that they're going to get better and then they're going to get paid more. So I think that's kind of where the issue lies is the NHLPA will not fight to lower that cap because it works out in the older players who have the powers favor. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's a really good point actually. Hmm. We'll have to. Yeah interesting that's that'll definitely be a thinking point for me for a little bit um just wrapping up quickly before we get into all of the fucking slew of trades that we've seen in the past i swear to god that this this last week of june has had more trades than the last like two years of trade deadlines of trade deadlines definitely because the trade deadlines always happen for like three weeks prior but yeah i'd say they're probably similar in that sense but this has been what over three four days maybe just a week essentially it's been like a fire sale of trades going on yeah, yeah. Um, quickly, just a couple ex-Edmonton Oilers that aren't going to be re-signed. Uh, the Canes announcing they won't be re-signing Puglia-Yarvi. You saw something that uh, had to do with an injury that he was getting rehabbed, hey? Yeah, apparently he. there's at least rumor out there. I don't know if it's ever confirmed that Puglia-Yarvi underwent like double hip surgery, I think, again. Oh, God. And is facing like a really long recovery time. So he's not getting qualified by the Hurricanes. So I kind of doubt he gets signed by anybody and he will probably end up back in Finland. I almost said Florida. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, he'll probably end up in Finland and will likely be the end of his career. I don't know if he has any interest in trying to keep pursuing an NHL career. I just don't think it's working out for him. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a, he's, mentioned like his mental status too with it too um and then uh five ten minutes ago vancouver just announced that they've not uh issued qualifying offer to um a couple players but one of them being ethan bear so uh, he'll also be looking for a new home um maybe he'll he'll complete the try trifecta what's what's the four in in winnipeg like he's played for every other uh canadian team it feels like so um, I, I don't think he's like he might sign a contract with guys at league men playing seventh defenseman, but yeah, unfortunately I, with his size and physicality, I just don't think he's cut out for like bottom pair minutes. Yeah. It's just not probably going to work out for him. And apparently he's, I think he just had surgery on something too. So Jeez. like he's probably going to struggle to find a place at least this season. Yeah. Yeah. Would agree. All right, let's jump into these trades. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, just to the the ones that have happened over the past like month, I think there's only one that really needs to be uh, um, shed a light on. Like, is the the Provorov trade out of out of Philly? Like, Philly's Philly's dumping. 
I mean, that one, that trade kind of hurt my brain to read. <laughs> there was a lot of stuff going on because it was a three-way trade with Columbus, Philly, and LA, where Columbus gets Provorov, LA trades away Cal Peterson, Sean Walker, some other guy, a first, a second, and a conditional second, and LA gets back Kevin Connaughton and Hayden Hodgson, part of Ivan Provorov's contract. Like, yeah. it was it was a weird one. What did like? It's just a weird trade. Yeah, I don't really see what was in it for LA, to be perfectly Can honest with you. Oh, well, I guess they dumped Cal Peters' contract, but I don't know. That's a lot to pay for dumping that contract. Can I also just build on that and say I have no fucking clue what LA is trying to do, period, this offseason? Like, LA, I, I, I think, is succession planning. That's the way I look at it. I, I guess for like Kopitar and Doughty? They're succession planning specifically for Kopitar. With uh, they acquired Pierre Luc Dubois from Winnipeg. So, the only thing I didn't like about that trade is that they pretty much like absolutely axed the entirety of their depth in that trade. They so traded they, a whole second line for this fucking yeah. guy. To be fair, that was like their third line. Or well, yeah. On yeah. average, I think Kupari was their fourth line center. Iafalo was playing second line winger, and uh, Velardi was their third line center. But. Like, Velarde has great stats, uh, like, advanced stats. He was really good against Edmonton. I can't, like, say anything bad about him against Edmonton. But mm -hmm. they just axed it all, and a second rounder for Pierre-Luc Dubois, who then they signed to an eight-year, eight-and-a-half million-dollar contract, which <laughs> is fucking ridiculous to me. You're making dry saddle money now, buddy. Like, <laughs> maybe they were thinking like that, but his career high is 63 points. Yeah. I know he's not necessarily known for being like a scorer. He's kind of like kind of a two-way guy, but that's just too much. I think he's he was probably more of a seven mil player. Like you look at look at Ryan Nugent Hopkins and yeah. the contracts he signed, and Nuge had more points than him, I'm pretty sure. But they just look at Pierre Luc Dubois and they're like, oh, he's a big boy. Let's sign him to a big contract. But he's he's also notorious for being the player that doesn't play when he doesn't want to. Well, and like, that's the thing. He just doesn't try if he doesn't want to play that night or for his franchise. Like, look, at he didn't yeah. want to play for Columbus. He didn't want to play for Winnipeg. Why should LA be any different? He can toot all the horns he wants and be like, oh, I'm so excited. But like, I don't know. He's It's concerning in the fact that he's a good he's a good player. And now they have Kopitar, Dubois and Deneau down the middle. Yeah. So, like, it's still really good, but their wing is getting weaker and weaker. I don't know if they have some young guys coming up that are going to make a big difference, but I think it's, like, maybe, like, lateral move at best to sign Dubois, in my opinion. I think Velarde could be the same player, if not better, of a player. Yeah. I I was shocked at the, uh, at the fact that they're getting rid of that. Um, just some breaking news here from Kevin Weeks uh, on the topic of L.A., Former LA goaltender Jonathan Quick likely to sign in New York. So, which New York? Interesting. Ah, good point. The Rangers. Okay. So, um, that that'll be interesting to see if it shakes out. Uh, just back to LA for a quick second. I think where I'm also lost is they they'll make a trade like that and then they'll go like the Sean Dersey trade. Just fucking confuse me. Well, like, the Sean just... Dersey one isn't that confusing to me in the sense that, like, I'm gonna be honest last not this last season but the season before Dersey was really good right but this last series like i'm basing this purely off the series we've had against them the last mm -hmm. series this year i didn't think Dersey was effective at all i thought he was quite lackluster and yeah. at the end of the day they are making room for brant clark yeah so like it makes sense they got to move I cap guess, out yeah. they're kind of little cap helly so brant clark is kind of gonna come in and fill that role they got mikey anderson they got drew dowdy they have gavrikov they'll have brian clark like i think jersey was just the odd man out and he plays bigger than his size very archibald-esque but i don't know if uh jersey was gonna be able to do much on that team going forward that's fair that's fair um team i want to talk about is the chicago blackhawks because they have had themselves a week obviously drafting connor bedard but they are loading up that fucking team with veterans. And I think this will be an interesting scenario for Bedard to start his NHL contract in. Uh, over the past week, 
They picked up Corey Perry from the Tampa Bay Lightning in exchange for a seven-round pick and then signed him to a $4 million contract extension. That's a lot of money for Corey Perry at this stage of his career. I no think that shit, that's, a, hey? that's a cap floor contract if I've ever seen one. I was going to ask, like, I wonder if there's stats at Corey Perry's age. That might be one of the richest contracts ever signed. Maybe I don't know. Like Corey yeah. Perry's like the same age as like Joe Pavelski, and Pavelski's uh, getting a lot going for him. That's true. That's true. So, um, I don't know if it's crazy, crazy for his production. Absolutely, it's a lot, but uh, he's got a lot of pedigree that comes along with him, so that probably plays into it. Yeah. Um, then they go at a couple days before the same day. Like, it was the same day they added Josh Bailey uh, from the Islanders. Josh Bailey, and, I believe, just got bought out today as well. Oh, did he actually? Yes. So that was a cap dump. So, oh, okay, so that's why paired with Bailey, there's the second round pick as well. Yeah, I believe uh, with Bailey, he was just the odd man out in the Islanders. I specifically remember reading an article uh, that quoted Lou Lamorello saying, like, we just don't have room for him. He's like, there's nowhere for him to play. That's fair. That makes more sense. Uh, and then earlier in the week, they obviously pick up Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno uh, from the Boston Bruins. Obviously, the Bruins just trying to clear some cap space uh, to get out of their cap hell that they're going to be in. Um, but uh, I just I cannot believe we live in a world where Taylor Hall has now played for what, six teams now? It's weird seeing like a quote unquote should be top line player probably more of a second line player at this point in his career being yeah. traded around like the way that Hall is and makes you question some things but to be fair with Boston I don't think this is a play on his character a play on yeah. his like ability to fit with the team Boston ain't got no money they it's can't true. afford anything yeah it's it's a six million dollar like bit of freedom for them but yeah I'm kind of with you like you look at all the uh the shit that was going on with Dougie Hamilton and when he had been traded to what three teams in the span of three years and everyone's like, Oh, it's, it's a slight on his character, et cetera, et cetera. But like Taylor Hall's been with just as many teams. Like he must have a hell of a closet. I but mean, I, at I, this point. Yeah. I, I kind of agree with you. I think this trade was definitely out of pure cap necessity for the Bruins, but it it's going to be an amazing uh, scene to see how, uh, uh, Bedard steps in like you're going to have Taylor Hall as your frontline winger, supposedly. Uh, but who well, knows? Who else do they have there? He's probably going to be playing with Bedard and Corey Perry will be on his other wing. You'll have a yeah. couple guys there, a tough guy or tougher guy in Perry. So um, it makes me question though: Do you think Taylor Hall at this point in his career might be able to catch Mike Sillinger for that most traded in his NHL career? Oh title? shit, that's a good question. Because Sillinger was traded question. nine times, so I think that's very reasonable that Hall could be traded three more times in his career. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it. That's interesting. I never really thought of that. But besides that trade, I think Damon Severson went to Columbus. Like, yeah. nothing too crazy. The only other team of note, really, was Colorado made a few moves. Where yes. uh, they acquired r half of Ryan Johansson, so about four million a year, <laughs> just for Alex Gelchenyuk, which was from a Nashville perspective essentially speaking a cap of, dump. Yeah, speaking and, of uh, jumping teams. Yeah, now they have Ryan Johansson there to sit as their second line center. Hopefully, he can stay healthy. But I personally was surprised by this. I didn't think Ryan Johansson would be the player Colorado would be interested in. I think yeah. they would have been interested more in like a two-way forward kind of guy. Me and uh, my roommate were talking specifically about the possibility of Elias Lindholm going there. Well, because this is just essentially finding the replacement for JT Comfort, right? Well, and it's is it even a replacement for JT Comfort? Yeah. Because there was That's still no mean. second line center there. JT yeah. Comfort was their third line center. So yeah, like they still yeah. need somebody else. And now... On top of that, speaking of Colorado centers, they also traded away Alex Newhook. Yeah, that was that was intriguing. That was a little mind-boggling to me that Colorado would trade him away. Like Alex Newhook is a cost-controlled young player, very skilled. Like maybe he's not progressing the way they had hoped, but like I think he's still a good player. I think the Canadians got a bit of a steal with that. They only had to give up like a a first and a second, but it was a, like a late first to be fair. So it's essentially two seconds. Mm -hmm. um, and I think new hook is very much worth it. I think uh, another move that 
I did like though is the the pickup with Ross Colton heading over from Tampa. Yeah, that'll be a good pickup for them. Like obviously Tampa is always in cap trouble and they cannot afford <laughs> Ross Colton and cuz he had a great year, he's going to ask for a lot of money. I think he's an RFA or something or he has a year left on his deal. So they just decided to move on from him. So that'll be a good pick. I like that one. That's the only one out of those picks that I actually understand. Mhm. Yeah. Um, and then the only other trade that uh, I, I kind of have here of note that we haven't really talked about is the non-committal Vegas Gold Knights sending Riley Smith a week after winning the Stanley Cup to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Not a bad week to go from winning the Cup to uh, playing with Pittsburgh and Sidney Crosby, like, but still, like, it's amazing. This Gold Knights team, man, there's just no no worries about shipping off a, a leadership piece or anything. They, well, at this just, point they've done it already. So I guess. I mean, the players expect it. Anybody who signs there can't expect to be safe unless you have a no movement clause. And I don't know. They, they really liked Ivan Barbashev. Yeah. So they essentially traded Riley Smith so they can sign Barbashev to the exact same contract. And That's they fair. also extended Aiden Hill. So like, they needed to dump money. They still do. I think they still don't have any money. So I don't know what they're going to do to who else they're going to trade, but I would expect another trade from them at one point. Yeah. They'll have to, there's still going to be like a handful of trades that I think are going to come down here in the next week. Uh, especially with like the free agency period opening up tomorrow and, and, uh, stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's definitely been a very, very intriguing week in terms of transactions and just NHL news in general. It's been uh, it's been a busy one, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, before we open tomorrow in the free agent period, I think just one last thing. We'll probably uh, put another podcast out, what, next week after some of the initial free agency news kind of... Uh, yeah, I would say generally out. speaking, it takes about a week for the big yeah. signings to really happen. I'm sure there'll be a couple Oilers signings like IE Connor Brown and maybe a defenseman. So mm-hmm. there'll be some things to chat about, some probably some trades. So yeah, probably next week. And then I imagine we probably will be taking another hiatus for the summer unless there's anything big that comes out. Yes. And in that break, we'll be uh, looking at a couple different ways, maybe maybe a new uh, way to platform this podcast, but uh, uh, definitely going to spend that time um, experimenting with some things. Uh, before we do go, do you have any wishes in your your mid summer Christmas wish list for the free agency draft or free agency draft free agency pool opening tomorrow? Well, I would say Connor Brown's the only one I'm truly interested in. I'm yeah. more interested in a potential trade. Like there's been whispers of Brett Pesci, but I think it might be a lot to spend to get him, especially considering Ken Holland came out and said that he is not going to be trading Philip Broberg, or at least he expects him to be here next year. So yeah, I'm, I, I'm sad. We really waited. Know. I'm sad. We waited an hour to talk about that. I forgot. Um, I'm confused about the whole narrative around Broberg. Like it sounds like he's available. If the Oilers want to go balls deep on a trade. Well, but, I think he's available for a top pairing right-handed defenseman. Yeah. And then well, otherwise they're like Eric Carlson. Yeah. Well, we can't afford that, but still, yeah. Yeah. I think like there's, no interest in trading him unless you get exactly what you want. Mm-hmm. It's not just for the sake of trying to throw together a roster because I think we have a pretty solid roster. So I would say at the end of the day, outside of the right-handed defenseman, I just want us to not make a bad signing. Like let's not sign somebody to a six year fucking four mil a year contract just for the sake of trying to sign a player. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Make this a, make this a a move where it, it makes sense in the short term because the other thing that i think where the oilers really need to focus on this year is the fact that you do have some you can't clutter the lineup so much that you're looking at a situation where you can't put holloway in the lineup because the only spot for him is on the fourth line you know what i mean yeah i think like say connor brown comes in and holloway comes in that's a very solid top nine. Like, let's just quickly lay it out. It's like McDavid, Kane, Hyman, Dreisaitl, Nuge, Brown, McLeod, Holloway, somebody. Yeah, yeah, uh, there's your filler. Yeah, and then Ryan and uh, 
Yanmark and whoever the fuck else you want to put on the fourth line. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. There's there's definitely some some holes that could be filled, wh- whether you're going to see some pushes from guys. Um, but I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about next week if things continue on the uh, the path that we're on. Um, but I think I think that does it for now. Until next week. See you guys.